Hello again, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of the Prep Extra Podcast brought to you by the Lincoln Journal Star. As always, I am your host, Jeff Ekstrom, and we are back with my co-host, as always, Luke Mullen. Luke, it's good to see you again. It's been a couple of weeks, a couple of busy weeks full of state tournament action. All the spring sports have wrapped up. We are at the end, officially at the end of the high school sports season. How's it feel for you? feels great obviously uh congrats to all the high school seniors finishing up their high school careers you know a lot of them great performances at the the state tournament in their respective sports and congrats to you jeff on your college graduation busy time here in may a lot of milestones a lot of stuff to celebrate and obviously we'll get into some of what all these different athletes were celebrating here in the last couple weeks Appreciate the kind comment, Luke. Yeah, I mean, lots of champions have been crowned. High school graduation, college graduations, everything comes together in the month of May here in Nebraska, and it's just a cluster of things. And uh, Luke, let's not waste any time here. Let's hop right into it. We got a lot to go over. Um, and first, we'll start with what wrapped up first, and that was state soccer that took place mainly in that middle of the May part um, in Omaha. And uh, Luke would start in Class A girls uh gretna they were the favorite from the start heading into the year heading into the state tournament um and they finished off that run with a state title that actually their closest game came in that first round but they eventually uh beat lincoln southwest three on the semi and beat southeast six one for the state title yeah you know just based on our timing of episodes obviously we got to chat a little bit after those first round games so that one was in the books and we were saying hey you know it's it's close. Are these teams going to be able to challenge Gretna? And, you know, ultimately they, they did what they, they needed to do and, you know, dominated in spells. And, I mean, it's just been such an incredible two years for Gretna. But in particular, I mean, this year's team had a lot of different run. I mean, a lot of different players stepping up into these spots. And, you know, just I got the chance to watch a lot of that state championship match against Southeast. And I was just blown away just by the depth on that team. I mean, we're not just talking about the starting 11. I mean, the subs that they got to bring on and, you know, keeping these different players fresh was incredible. And really, you know, just throughout that Class A final, it was just so clear the way that Gretna played. I mean, they see the field so well. They pick out those passes, you know, as soon as they're there, they are just reading the game and knowing their passages of play. It's it's just so clear that they're a well-drilled, you know, oiled machine at this point. And, you know, looking at the last two years, it's uh, it's kind of scary because I, I don't think it's ending anytime soon. 41-1, and one, Gretna's record the last two seasons, including the first Class A girls team to go undefeated since 2005. One of the best girls soccer class, back-to-back soccer classes, that junior-senior class, Sarah Weber and that group last year, now this senior group this year, I mean, dominant, and they may continue that, Luke, like, like you mentioned. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at last year's team, I mean, setting that scoring record, and you're like, well, I mean, how, how can it go up from here? <laughs> well, how about, you know, first undefeated season in a decade and a half, which was incredible, Um you know, shout out to Allison Marshall and Ava Makovica, each with two goals there in the championship game. And, you know, really we got a, you know, 6-1. Obviously the scoreline was tough, but, I mean, you got to give such huge credit to Lincoln Southeast for making it all the way there. Obviously we've discussed them, you know, a couple times throughout the year just about how, you know, the season just kept going well, kept, you know, exceeding their expectations and, you know, making it all the way to that state championship game. Uh, Samaya Hogg, you know, best goalkeeper, Really, I think in the state, we'll get a chance to see those all-state teams that our Brent Wagner comes out with in a couple weeks or in a week or two. Um, but, she, you know, she played a great championship match. I mean, 6-1, it, it could have been more. Uh, Gretna had a lot of different shots on goal. So she did a great job just to get her team there. And, you know, regardless of the scoreline, what a great season from her and the entire Southeast team. Yeah, I mean, that was an impressive run. They made the state last year and then continued that run to the state final. And, yeah, it's just one of those things where you just run into a juggernaut. Oh, yeah. Gretna. So I don't really know if they could be ashamed of their performance at all. Oh, uh, definitely not. Yeah, I mean, the the 1-0 win over Marion in the semifinals, you know, we're glossing over a few of these different earlier results, you know, to talk about the championship game. But, I mean, that they had to defend for their lives in that one. That's a great Marion team. 
uh, beat Westside 1-0 in the opening round as well. So two really hard-fought wins there at State for Southeast. Uh, great, great performances. And, yeah, Gretna just too strong, you know, too much of a well-oiled machine, as I said. Well, when you talk about a juggernaut, that fits right in nicely when we go down to Class B, where it was Omaha Scott and Norris meeting for a state title for the second year in a row. Unfortunately for the Titans, their luck in state title games just continues to run bad. Uh, Omaha Scott tops Norris 3-2 to two for back-to-back titles, but that's not without some... Uh, uh, adversary for uh scott overcome a red card and an injury absolutely i mean it was a a crazy crazy match uh for scott undoubtedly 12 minutes into the match their goalkeeper madeline meyer uh went outside her box challenged for a one-on-one you know opportunity against the norris player just took her down and you know when when you're the last defender against goal that's definitely an automatic red card i think the the referee got that spot on and when you get that, you know, down to 10 players so early in the match, I mean, it just puts you at such a disadvantage. The other team, you know, they can swing the play a lot easier, you know, get those counterattack opportunities. But when, you, when you're able to compact, you know, that, that unit and make sure that, you know, you're, you're still doing the same things that you did the entire season, you know, really the question is, well, then how does the backup goalie, you know, come in? Can she organize the defense? Uh, you know, how how can she do? And McKenna, McKenna Man, I mean, what an unforgettable, uh, you know, day, game, and experience for her. Uh, came in, did a great job with that Scott defense. You know, withstood a lot of Norris pressure. And really, I mean, things continued to, to obviously, you mentioned the adversity. Uh, Presley Douglas, uh, freshman freshman player, also played a big, uh, big part on that girls basketball team during the winter. Uh, had a very scary injury, had to be helped off the field, a very lengthy delay there as well. So, I mean, you, you talk about losing a player, you know, going down to 10, and then you see one of your teammates, you know, suffer a very serious injury. I mean, mentally, they really had to dig deep for that one. I think you got to give a lot of credit to that entire Scott coaching staff, probably the, some of those senior leaders on the team, you know, helping their teammates out there on the field, uh, just making sure that they were focused on what they needed to do. And obviously they, they got it done. Um, Elizabeth Rosenthal and a couple other players I know came up with the goals in that one. Uh, so, yeah, credit to Scott. I think, you know, you, they had to go through so much. I mean, that is just such a, a well-deserved and well-earned victory. Well, that was their sixth championship appearance in a row, including back-to-back titles uh that's on the girls side and let's transition over to the boys and luke as much as that class a girls final was a blowout of six to one it was even worse in the boys final gretna doing the double sweep this year beats omaha west side 8-0 for the school's first boys class a state title west side went down to 10 men early on in the match but may, may have made a little difference in terms of the score but not the result yeah, I, I think it was already 4 or 5 even, yeah. I think, in that first half before the red card, which a lot of the, a lot of the same things, you know, that I saw in the girls' game uh, were there in the boys' game. I mean, this Gretna boys' team, they were just pinging the passes to each other so quickly. Um, you know, a lot of the times you get those, you know, p- cross-field passes, they have to bounce. I mean, there, there's a lot of different things, but, I mean, they were just firing it all over the field. Uh, those attackers, Michael Stuckenholtz in, in particular, was just dynamic the entire game. Uh, I think he, he probably had the best performance of anybody out there. And, yeah, they were just relentless in running at that that west side goal. I mean, you look at their entire state tournament run, put four past Millard South in the, four, in the first round, four past Lincoln East in the semifinals as well. So, I mean, it, it was clear that the, the scoring was going to be up there. Uh, but I do believe that 8-0 scoreline ties the all-time state record for a state championship game. Uh, super, super, super impressive. And yeah, the, the red card did hurt West Side definitely, but I mean, it, it was just so clear that Gretna came out ready to win that game. And, and you know, 20 minutes in, it was, it was clear that they were on their way to a state title. It's a good time to be a fan of the Dragons in Gretna right yes. now. Uh, double sweep for soccer this year. And let's quickly go down to Class B where, again, another double sweep. It's Omaha Scut taking on Lexington in that final second straight year. That had been the matchup, but the result was the same. The Skyhawks beat the Minutemen 2-1 to for their third consecutive state title. Lexington back-to-back state runner-ups. Yeah, uh, really unfortunate for Lexington. Great team all year long. You know, had a great state tournament run. 
uh, really prove themselves. And in particular, I think this Class B final might have been perhaps the best. I mean, it was super close the whole way, 1-1 for a lot of the match. And again, like like a lot of these games, a little bit of refereeing drama, um, you know, a little bit of the decisions that you can gripe with, I suppose, if you're a Minutemen fan. Uh, it was, a, a, of course, a penalty kick that Scott got there late in the match, eight minutes left in the second half. Uh, for me, I thought it was definitely a deserved penalty. Uh, went through went through the player to get to the ball, uh, you know, really there. Really tough, I mean, to, to award that in the last 10 minutes of a, of a state championship match. But if it's a foul, it's a foul. Yeah. And Scott converted the penalty, did what they needed to do. And so, yeah, congrats to the Skyhawks. Ended the year, 17 straight matches won. So, I mean, it... it it, we kind of lose, you know, some of the different ways to describe this when you've got the dominance of Gretna, the dominance of Scott. I mean, they got it done in both of these classes, girls and boys. Super impressive. And that's an interesting discussion to go along with that, Luke, because that's not a new thing either. If dynasties have always been pre- relevant in soccer, but I would say that's as much a reflection of club soccer around the state than anything. Because obviously the high school season has its own season, but that's only that's condensed into two months. Yeah, the rest of the year, if they're not playing other sports, these soccer athletes are playing club, and so with how dominant these teams are, I think that speaks to how well the club soccer scene is doing within anything. Oh, definitely. I mean, you look at um, you know just the the historic runs that some of these programs were on Columbus Scotus and in B Boys. I think they won like three or four in a row um, within the last decade. I mean, Gretna was, of course, a, a Class B bow- powerhouse in, in both girls and boys before moving up to A. Uh, Creighton Prep, obviously, my, yep. my alumni, my school, Omaha South, they've been super dominant as well. Um, and in B, Pius obviously had some very good years as well. But yeah, particularly, I, I think you look at this Gretna and this Scott dynasty in, in the recent years, and the club soccer organizations play such a huge role in it. And, you know, strictly from a Gretna standpoint, I think Gretna EGA, one of those different organizations, they are, at least for my money, they're one of the best. I mean, obviously, the the results show on the field. You know, n- not every player, obviously, I don't know where they all go for their club soccer. I'm sure they're spread out a little bit more. There's a lot of different club soccer organizations there in Omaha. But in particular, I mean, they do a great job for their community. Um, some great, great coaches. I know it means a lot to all those different, um, you know, families and different parents and, and, and schools that send their kids to that Gretna EGA and for Omaha Scott as well. I mean, that's not that far away. There's uh, a couple different organizations there in Millard. Um, I know there's Sporting Nebraska does a great mm-hmm. job recruiting the entirety of Omaha. Um, really, I think Wolves is a, a recent one that's popped up in the last couple of years. And I'm sure there's, oh, there's an Elkhorn organization too, very close to Gretna and Scott as well. So there's a lot of different opportunities for those players. And as you mentioned, you get that kind of year-round instruction, um, especially for the ones, you know, who have college futures. I mean, it it is just so clear, as I said in Gretna, when when you watch a player who's been dedicated to soccer for, you know, most of the last few months, who really has those different passages of play, you know, the way that they control the ball, the way that they see the game, it is just so clear. And, And I don't think Anybody, nobody is even close to doing it at the level that Gretna and Scott are right now. Yeah, and I just want to divulge for a second here and just talk about the year that Gretna as a school had, both boys and girls. Sweep soccer, football, I'll put an asterisk next to it. Boys basketball made it to state. Um, You might have to remind me what other, they might have done more. But still, just those highlights, I mean, man, what a year. Absolutely. And the interesting thing, you know what, we'll, we'll see where the future lies, but the addition of a second Gretna school. That's a, that changes a lot. Yeah. The, a lot. The talent pool, you know, that you get to pull from. I mean, there's still a ton of talent in that district. You know, it'll probably, I think, open up, you know, some potentials for, you know, kids to move in from outside the district if they do have, you know, more spots open with that second high school. But I mean, if we're talking about, let's just, you know, hypothetically, you split that in two, well, suddenly you might have a, a Gretna, you know, Gretna North state championship yeah. <laughs> game there in soccer. So, you know, what? we'll see what happens with that. But definitely, yeah, Gretna School District just loaded with talent right now. That is a, a program and a community on the rise there definitely throughout uh, not just soccer, but a lot of different sports here.
Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, but I believe Gretna East is going A right away, correct? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I think they're doing what Elkhorn North is doing in terms of having no seniors, I thought I heard. I could be wrong. Not entirely sure on that, but yeah. I I do think, yeah, they're they're going in right away and playing varsity, and, you you know, it might might take them a little while to catch up, you know, A as opposed to B there with Elkhorn North, but, I mean, you... These districts, as we mentioned, have a ton of talent. You know, they're, they've been growing Gretna and Elkhorn both consistently for the last, you know, 10 or whatever years yeah. it is. Um, so, yeah, definitely I think within two years, you know, whatever it might be, their numbers will be consistent and they'll be ready to compete at that high level. We might have mentioned this before, but when was the last time we had just a Class A school jump into Class A right away as a new school? Not like Pius were there in B then moved up or something like that. Or like Elkhorn North if they move up. When was the last time we had a brand new Class A school enter the scene right away? That's interesting. I don't know. Because Elkhorn South was in B Yeah, they were in B while. before moving up. Um, it has to be one of the Omaha schools, right? Oh, yeah. no. It'd be, would it be South North Star or Southwest? Yeah, probably North Star. Yeah. Then, I mean, that's, what, 20 years ago? Yeah. I mean, that's that's been a long time. So, yeah, I, I can't think of any more recent than that yeah Yeah. it's gonna be interesting i'm fascinated to see how they do um and who just in especially because as students you get to decide yeah i'm pretty sure if they want to stick a gretna or go to east Mm -hmm. so i'm interested to see where that goes i don't expect much of that athletic talent to flow over right away but it's gonna get there definitely it's gonna get there uh well let's uh go on to uh another state tournament that we had go on and that was state track and field as always being held at omaha burke and that's always a cluster of fans and athletes it is uh it is fun chaos over there at state track and we had a bunch of fun results now we're not going to go over every result we're going to choose out some all-class gold medal notables and if you want to see uh, all of those results you can go onto our agate page at journalstar.com or check out those results as well on nsaa.org in addition but luke let's dive right into it we'll start on the boys side and one of those standout athletes he has been all season long uh, winning the 100 meters all class with Jalen lloyd at omaha central 10.54 seconds he was very impressive i believe he he did have he was also the all class in the triple jump as well so i mean lloyd had a quite quite a quite a year Definitely. I mean, the 100-meter dash, I think, always kind of takes the cake for most exciting yep. event, the one that you really look forward to there at State Track. And, you know, th- there were some questions, you know, going into the year, Devin Jackson, you know, returning gold medalist, you know, enrolling early for football. Uh, so kind of a void there for the 100. And Jalen Lloyd stepped up as that front runner. Obviously, we had Malachi Coleman here from Lincoln East, uh, Vince Genetone from North Platte as well, both of them. Uh, putting in some strong, strong times throughout the season in there at the state tournament. Um, but yeah, Jalen Lloyd, I mean, he that's a guy who just came out of here in the spring and just showed his true, true athletic ability, uh, picking him up a lot of interest there on, of course, the football uh, recruiting circles. I'm sure he'll, he'd have a, a future in track, obviously, too, if he wanted it, uh, you know, after this, this great state tournament performance. But yeah, 10-5-4, great time there in the 100. Uh, congrats to him on, on a great season and really showed up and, and did what he needed to do there at state. Well, then you just go to the 200, which is usually one of the other huge sprinting events, and it's Jack Gillogie, uh from Creighton Prep, 21.33 seconds to win the 200. Yeah, worth talking about that one because I think it's, you know, no no disrespect to Jack, but I think it's a little bit of an upset. Um, you looked at some of the other sprinters and their times, you know, going into the state tournament, and, yeah, I don't think Gillogly was, you know, maybe the top four or, you know, potentially in the podium places for that one. Uh, you know, unsure if twenty one thirty three was his PR for this year. I'm assuming it is because that's a, a pretty fast time to turn up there in the in the two hundred. So you know, I, I thought that was an interesting one. You know, you get you get the build up to state is just such a long, you know, brutal haul for these different track athletes, and all it takes is that one race where you really just go to the you know the fullest of your ability, and he walks away with that all class two hundred gold medal. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's so tough with these short sprinting events because the improvements you want are by hundreds and thousands of a second. Like the the margin of difference is very, very small. So – and especially just building up the state tournament because in full circle, the only things that – the only meets that matter are districts and state. None of the others really matter. 
Yeah. It's just about putting yourself in position to do well at districts and state. And something interesting, maybe worth talking about as we're on sprinting, is that the state track format was different this year than in past years. Um, you had the two days for Class A and B and two days for Class C and D after that. And it, it did change kind of the timing of these events, you know, where they're, what time of the day they're run at, you know, how much rest you get between different events. And, I, you know, I, I obviously it, it impacts every single event, you know, probably the distance runs, you really need, you know, that time to build up your endurance. But for the sprints, too, I mean, you're, you, you don't want to sprint one event and, you know, turn around and sprint another in, you know, 30, 40 minutes, which, you know, again, you, you get that experience from some of these regular season track meets, but at state, you really want the time to rest and come back to full strength. And I think, you know, between some of these sprints there, you know, I heard some rumblings, I guess, you know, that they could have used a little bit more time. Um, so something for NSAA to look at the scheduling of the events. Um, but yeah, another great, great event there at, at Burke Stadium. Always a good time. And, you know, you do lose a little bit of that championship Saturday when yeah. A and B, you know, run a couple of days before that. You know, you're you're not seeing those elite, you know, 100, 200 meter sprinters there on Saturday. But a lot of different days. I think I think it, it obviously has a lot of positives, too. So, yeah, it's kind of like what state it's kind of like the same argument with state wrestling, too. Yeah. Is having all those championship matches on one day. Like one year they did it where two classes, two mm-hmm. days, stuff like that. It's interesting. I, I like the two classes, two days. One media side, it's easier that way. Uh, but I do get the appeal, especially Championship Saturday. You get all those elite runners. Yeah. Uh, I, I get it. Uh, but luckily, that's not my decision to make. Right. I, I, I do like splitting it up as well. I think it, it helps, you know, give the classes their own time in the spotlight, which obviously, you know, C&D, that might have been a gripe that they had earlier is when – you know, there there's a Class A championship going on. You get the eyeballs on that. So, yeah, they, they got to take over the stadium and, and have a great time there for two days as well. So, yeah, I, 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 I do like it as well. But obviously there's there's discussion about these things, and that'll continue. Yeah, it's not in my uh, – I don't get paid to make the decisions. That's, <laughs> that's NSA. So I can, I can we'll give you a that. raise, Jeff, if, I, if you'd be interested I, in making I, those good. decisions. Yeah, I, I'm good. <laughs> Well, but let's uh, keep going down the list here. Uh, just a quick little shout out to Gabe Heinrichs from Elkhorn South. He swept the 800 and 1600 uh, distant runs for Elkhorn South, a senior there who's been always very good in the distant scene. Uh, but let's go down to uh, the field events and shot put. Matt Rink, Lincoln Southwest, takes home the title. A little bit of upset there over Campos from Lincoln East. Yep, because we, we spoke a little bit about kind of the shot put race throughout the year you know two lincoln kids leading the way there Kapos and matt rink from from southwest two football players um that i got the chance to know during the fall as well so you know unfortunately you know sam didn't throw his best there at, at state he walks away with the silver there in the shot put but he's got a great division one track future ahead of him and credit to matt rink for coming up and you know coming away with a, a pr you know get that shot put state gold and it's the it's the all-class gold as well uh, so, yeah, congrats to, to Matt there from Lincoln Southwest. Great state tournament. And then you go to the high jump in the all-class gold medal. And Carter Nelson from Ainsworth, high jump of 6 foot 10 inches. Absurd jump. Um, and he gets the all-class gold medal. And, I mean, that's Ainsworth, small towns at Class D, I believe. Yep. Impressive stuff. I think I think he nearly broke 7 foot as well. I think he had two or three attempts, you know, where he, he nearly cleared the bar there. But... 610 his best mark you know it was actually i think a pretty close race there for the the high jump all class gold um and and he comes away with it you know you just gotta tip your cap to him for a great year really coming out as a a dominant guy there in in class d track and in particular um you know this as we mentioned with Jalen lloyd too you get to show off these different measurables uh there in state track if you're a football player you know it, it helps a lot with your athleticism but it also just helps uh, show really what you can do in terms of pure athletic ability. And Nebraska's been in for, for Carter Nelson, Iowa State, and I'm sure a couple other different colleges that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, but rising, rising name there uh, for the, the high school football recruiting here around Nebraska. Definitely, you look at a guy with his athletic ability, his frame, I mean, nearly high jump and seven foot yeah. <laughs> is just uh, just incredible. So, yeah, he's, he's going to be a name to watch here 
uh, next year. Well, those are some of the notables from the boys' side. And, Luke, let's transition over to the girls' side. Uh, of course, I think one of, if not the biggest storyline on the weekend was Dehaz DeFrond, the senior from Lincoln High, her journey to break state records, and she did so in the 100 meters, 11.64, the all-time state record. Yeah, just incredible. I mean, we had the wind aided, you know, the – the controversy, you know, what's the what's the wind levels? I'm just kidding. Everybody everybody around the track circles knows what the wind levels is. It's us outsiders that are like, what are you what are you well, talking yeah. about? The wind <laughs> changes <laughs> the the state record. So, I mean, our Clark Grell he wrote a fantastic story. You can get all of uh, DeHaas's perspective there on on winning it all, and and uh, congrats to her on just one of those high school careers that, I mean, regardless if you're a Lincoln High sprinter. If you were just out of meet with her one time, I mean, she's that type of athlete yeah. where you see her, and I'm sure a lot of younger kids are like, "How do I get to that level?" Which it it took a ton of dedication. You know, obviously, natural talent plays into it a huge a huge amount, which she has a lot of. Um, you know, in order to get that done, but you know, just training hard. You know, she she left Lincoln. You know, we talked about that meet she ran out in New York or wherever that was too. So it's been a, a crazy spring for her, and you know, getting done exactly where she wanted to be with those state golds. Not only that, the all-time record. She also won the all-class gold in the 200 as well, running a 23.74. One of two uh, athletes on the girls' side to have uh, two all-class gold medals. The other was J.C. Seavers from Elkhorn South. She won the 1,600 and 3,200-meter runs. Uh, But, Luke, let's go down further. Let's go to the hurdles where we've had one of the biggest matchups of hurdlers in recent years in the 100 hurdles it was adriana rodenkall from lincoln lutheran winning it in 14.33 seconds yeah huge huge hurdle battle all year um obviously between lincoln lutheran and Pius the tense kate Campos. um you know credit to both of them for getting one and <laughs> you know letting the yeah. other win one obviously it didn't didn't work like that i'm not saying they had a you know handshake agreement <laughs> before the race but you got to be pretty happy to see two elite high-level athletes, um, you know, each get the chance to compete against somebody who pushes them, you know, who, who makes sure that there, you know, there's somebody right behind you that you got to keep your eye on the whole way. So, yeah, Ronan Call, 14.33 in the 100 hurdles, and Kate Campos, 43.45 in the 300-meter hurdles. Congrats to both of them, all-class state champions. So yeah, it's an all-Lincoln, uh, all-class gold medal in the hurdles. Lincoln High won the 400 relay uh, to bring home a title in the capital city. Uh, but that's um, the big notables uh, on the girls' side. And, Luke, let's touch upon the team titles really quick. We'll start in A. It was boys. It was Fremont taking home a state title on the girls' Captain City Lincoln Southwest. Yeah, for Fremont, I think we, we got a note. Um, we're going to start calling them, I don't know, the relay capital of uh, state track won the 1600 relay all class gold and 3200 relay both the boys and the girls teams got that done on both of those sides and yeah it it was those relays that were huge in leading them to that class a title Uh, a couple repeat runners there in that one Braden taylor and tyson baker ran in both the 1600 and 3200 for fremont Uh, so congrats to them on that and lincoln southwest winning that uh Class A girls team title, not not a lot of, you know, state golds, but a lot of top five finishes. Again, we, we have the full story up on our website. You want to go back and read that. So great year for that Southwest girls track team. You know, it, it's really interesting, those team track titles, uh, just how much. I mean, obviously, any sort of team sport like this where you're, you know, you're getting points, you know, tennis, golf, whatever it is, I mean, Really, you might not think about it, but some of those opening round, I mean, the difference between finishing sixth or seventh, you know, in a final, every single point adds up. And that was exactly the case for Southwest. Uh, over in boys, uh, Class B boys, it was Sydney taking home the title, while Elkhorn North continues another great year. They take home the B girls title. Yeah, Elkhorn North, I think they, they were very successful with some of those Class B relays as well. Um, Britt Prince, of course, all-state, super-state basketball player. She's a part of those relay teams, um, a couple of different other athletes as well. And on the boys' side there in Class B, Mitchell Deer for Sydney, 
all-class gold medal there in the 400 meter, 49.42. A couple other really strong performances as well. Uh, down in Class C on the boys' side, Grand Island Central Catholic takes home a state title, while Chase County brings home a state title on the girls' side. Yeah, congrats to both of them and, you know, getting the chance to, as I mentioned, take over, you know, Burke Stadium. I think they had some some great days, some great performances. Um, the all-class gold medal in that grouping. Bryn McNair from uh, Chase County there on the girls' side won the high jump 5-8 there, the all-class gold. And then to finish out in Class D, it was a double sweep. North Platte St. Pat's takes home titles in both the boys and girls. Pretty good uh, bus ride back home there yeah. to North Platte. I don't, I don't know if they can all fit on one bus. They might, <laughs> they might have had two of them for that one. But I mean, that is just so impressive. I, I think we, we'd have to go back at the record books, you know, to see. I don't think it, it probably has been a very long time in Class A or B. So to do, to get it done at D, um, just incredible. Great job for the entire coaching staff there at North Platte St. Pat's. So good time for North Platte St. Pat's. Um, but that's what happened at State Track. Lots of winners, a lot of great storylines. State Track is no short of stories. So make sure to check out all of those on journalstar.com. Cody Frederick, Clark Grell, right? all of those great features and recaps. So make sure to go check all of that out on journalstar.com. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we still have a few more state tournaments to recap. Girls tennis, boys golf, and then a historic state baseball tournament, including one of the best endings ever in state tournament history. All that more coming up here on the Prep Extra Podcast. Don't go away. Plenty more up ahead. Welcome back Prep Extra Podcast brought to you by the Lincoln Journal Star. Jeff Ekstrom alongside Luke Mullen. We are busy recapping the spring sports season. Our win over Gretna, double sweep in soccer. De Haas Defran breaking a state title, breaking a state record in, in track. Got all that down, and Luke, let's head into some other state tournaments that recapped more recently. Uh, And let's start in girls' tennis. Their season wrapped up. Uh, And let's start in Class A, where, again, uh, the Lincoln tennis scene continues to be strong as Lincoln East lifts the team title, led by their number one singles, Belinda Rodemaker, as she took home the title there. Freshman winning it all. Wow. I mean, I think her, her older sister Zoe, I think we had an article on him earlier in the year. So obviously a lot of tennis pedigree in that family. Uh, you know, she's she's grown up in that. You know, she's been ready for that moment to come to the high school level. But, I mean, to have a freshman, you know, not only win, you know, they might be able to start off in number two singles and win it, but to immediately be, you know, East top singles player, already super impressive and you know battling throughout the year you know earning a great seating there at the state tournament and going all the way you know beating a uh an athlete in southeast camila ibrahima who I, I think had beaten her at hack or you know perhaps in one of those different uh tournaments earlier in the year uh just super impressive and <laughs> probably scary if you're a sophomore junior or senior you know who's hoping to to win a number one singles title here in the next couple of years obviously you know they, you know, improvements can happen, you know, changes, obviously anything. Uh, but for, for Rademacher to win that right there as a freshman, I mean, that is just super impressive. She won it 6-4, 6-2. Um, so gotten it done in, in two two matches there as well, which is very impressive. Very bright future for the Spartans. Uh, but it was their cross-time rival, uh, Lincoln Southwest, as Ella Dean and Grace uh, Bartolome took home the number one doubles title with a 7-5-6-2 win over the Spartans, Gibson Chapman and Kirstia Lee. Yeah, congrats to uh, that, that Southwest team there, number one doubles. I know they, they were kind of the favorite there all year, did a great job at Hack, um, and, and were able to come into this state tournament with a lot of confidence and... You know, seven five that that first one six two. Obviously, they kind of ran away with it a little bit there at the end. Um, but it was it was tough conditions there. I think you know at that state tournament, I think it got pretty hot there. Um, you know, throughout. So that was a a great performance there at, at number one doubles. 
And I think I think those two they might have been playing together two or you know last three seasons in a row. So you know you, you go that that long way with a doubles partner, uh, put in so much time and effort together. Uh, to make sure that they end their career with the state championship will be uh, a huge, huge, great feeling for them. And then uh, you have another fellow Lincoln freshman, this time for Southeast. Corinne Barber completed an undefeated 32-0 season with a 6-2, 6-4 win against Omaha Marion, Cecilia Reagan in the number two singles final uh, to bring home a state title after a fantastic year. Wow. So we we might be seeing some uh, battles there yeah. at number one singles between uh, Barbara and Rademacher here in the next couple of years, whether it's hack or, or any sort of tournament, it's going to be brutal. Uh, so yeah, congrats to, to Corin. you know, again, going the whole season undefeated, you know, it, it, it's just hard to imagine because she's going to have played so many juniors, so many seniors, so many experienced varsity uh, tennis players there. So, you know, w- winning it at state, super impressive, but to me more impressive is just the consistency throughout the entire season to get to that point. Well, then you go down to uh, Class B, and it's the year of the Wolves continue, Luke. Elkhorn North, after finishing 12th at state a year ago, walks home with a state title. Absolutely. That's a a huge turnaround for Elkhorn North, part of a a great, great spring sports season. We'll get to their final state title. As we mentioned, they won uh, the girls' Class B track championship as well. And a couple different results there that that led them to that tennis title. Um, there in, in number one doubles, Cam Jacobs Meyer and Haley Wolf won that number one, and number two doubles, uh, Ali Tabka, and of course Grace Jeske got that done as well. Sophia Jones, runner up in number two singles. So three top four finish, three uh, sorry top two finishes there in in the different four categories that really does a, a lot to guarantee you that team title right there and came out of nowhere I think a little bit you know stamped themselves and Elkhorn North might be program to watch there in, in Class B girls tennis moving forward most certainly it's another fun year of girls tennis comes to an end the Lincoln scene uh, looks pretty strong for definitely the future. Uh, then let's go down to boys golf that state tournament wrapped up uh, at the time of this recording wrapped up yesterday which was Wednesday had to battle a lot of rain Luke it was a <laughs> yeah. rainy state tournament it always it always seems like state golf it's always too hot or it's rainy there's just no no good middle. And this year they had to, they had to travel a long way to yeah. to get out there. Obviously, Scotts Bluff Country Club it's a, a fantastic venue. I think you know all the all the different golfers. I'm sure were very excited to to golf there for a couple of days. But it is a haul, obviously, to to get out there from Lincoln, Omaha, or wherever they came from. Well, it was certainly very entertaining. But it was a freshman. Lincoln Southeast's Thomas Bryson wins the Class A individual title by shooting a three under over at the two-day tournament, including an even par on the final day. Uh, you could check out the feature story by our own Clark Grell on uh, JournalStar.com. But the pairing system was weird, so Bryson, who was leading the tournament, had to wait over an hour for everyone else to finish and see if he won a state title. Pretty crazy, and actually, sorry, just to clarify, I think A A was out there in Norfolk. Yeah, it, it was in Norfolk. Been, yep. Yeah, the other classes in Scotts Bluff. So, yeah, pretty much a same weather wherever they went. But as you mentioned, Jeff, I mean that is is agony. I mean, really, for him to be in that position, you know, especially as an athlete, it's one of those things where you're like, you know, it, if you're in position to impact, you know, through your own results. I mean, there's a lot of mental clarity and you know well being that comes from that when you're just sitting out there waiting to see how the other results fall. I mean, that is stress. Um, so congrats to him on, you know, coming through it and, and you know, emerging as the champion. And, I mean, that's a, a great, great, you know, to finish three under. Obviously, that, that first round, I think, was his uh, his top round there. You'll see a lot of seniors, I mean, can't achieve yeah. that level of uh, consistency at a, at a really tough course there as well. I think you would you would know, too, I mean, Going three under there as a freshman, just really impressive. Yeah, he was part of, if people don't know, I was a communications intern from the Nebraska Golf Association last summer. So Thomas was always in that junior scene. And he was just, he was an eighth grader and he made the top half of the junior match play, which is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. And he did that. So this 
this doesn't surprise me. I'm just surprised how quickly he sure. got oh, that definitely. good. Yeah. Like, I expected him to be, like, in that discussion, but to just win it like that? Man, he's a freshman. Yeah. So watch out of what he can do here in the next few years, and he's certainly going to be tearing up the Nebraska uh, summer golf scene this summer as well. Fourth ever freshman to win the Class A state title but battling with him was another fellow in city golfer and that was lincoln east's thomas gatlin made a five foot par on a five foot putt on number 18 and while he didn't win the individual title that putt on 18 sealed the class a crown for the spartans by one stroke over omaha west side 596 to 597 I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. Were we going to have like a a team playoff? I mean, how do they go about sorting that? Now, I could be wrong, but I thought it might be like a one hole playoff. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Put your best best golfer out there, and yeah, I mean, now that that would be drama. But uh, I think the Spartans are pretty happy that he made that putt. They didn't have to worry about it. So you got to give a lot of credit to Gatlin there because he was in in for the individual, you know, championship, but. Didn't quite happen. Obviously, Bryson won it, but you know, just to to stay focused out there and and win his team the state title, I'm sure was a a pretty good consolation and pretty good feeling for for that entire Lincoln East team. So a very very entertaining uh, boys state golf tournament this year. And a uh, going down to the other champions across the other classes in Class B, Norris took home the title in Class C, Columbus Scotus, and in Class D, Overton. Yeah, Norris, great year there in uh, in Class B. I believe won eight of their different ten uh, tournaments throughout the year, which is very impressive. Uh, I think had a, a three stroke lead for much of that different Class B championship. Columbus Scotus did a great job, uh, won by thirty one strokes over Donovan Trumbull there in Class C. That's a, a great great golf program. And Overton, I think, was uh, perhaps a, a surprise there in Class D. Uh, beat beat uh, North Platte St. Pat's. Trailed them by 23 shots entering the final round and ended up winning by three shots there over the Irish. So credit to to Overton for a fantastic final round. All those different golfers contributed to that one. So plenty of entertainment uh, over those two days in the boys' state golf. The scene is still... uh, Full of plenty of great golfers here in the state of Nebraska. Uh, But that's that golf season. And let's close down the show with state baseball. Arguably the best state tournament that happened this spring. Probably is. Bunch of great things happened. Luke, let's start off. You're there for almost all of it. Uh, Let's start off uh, with um, Lincoln East. One of the last four teams standing, they were uh, the lone representative uh, for Lincoln uh, in the Class A. Was one, just a little over an inning away for making it to the title game, but unfortunately uh, they fall short in the semis. Yeah, same thing as with soccer and some of these other going to gloss over some of those opening round games, you know, get to the the important stuff. So East, you know, they, they eliminated Lincoln Southeast as well, one of their city opponents, uh, earned that city title little bit later than usual as that regular season game got postponed and delayed due to rain a couple times but their eyes you know they they weren't on a, a city championship it was on a state title uh this year's east team they they had the talent to get it done as we mentioned you know in kind of the the pre-tournament preview and got to give a lot of credit to cooper erickson for stepping up in that big elimination game against millard west he he started there on the mound um i I'm not entirely sure, but I think it was either his first or his second start of the year had had really been a relief pitcher um, throughout the year. So he went about five or six innings, did exactly what he needed to, and Millard West just came up clutch, a couple late runs, and, and East couldn't quite respond. But really they were there, I think, four or five outs away from making it to that title game. Would have been the first Lincoln team, first non-Omaha team since 2012 to make it there to the championship. Quite a run by Lincoln East. Let me correct myself. Lincoln Southeast was also in the state tournament, so those two teams were from Lincoln in the state tournament. But let's talk about the state championship game. Millard West, Millard South. It was the rubber match. They had gone one and one against each other beforehand, and it sure delivered. Luke, let's start at the beginning where Millard West came out firing 9-0 to start the game, correct? Yep, eight runs in that first inning, and then another run in the second inning. And won't lie, you know, I'm I'm there in the press box. I'm starting to think about 
Millard West dominance? You know, how 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 do we want to frame you know just a, an epic blowout in a in a state championship game? And you know, a couple innings go by, and you know they're still up nine zero, and you're just thinking, you know, they they just got to get to that ten run mark. That's all you need, and and here comes Millard South. Uh, you know, re- really the interesting thing for me was the pitching was Millard West strength and hitting was Millard South strength. So you get Millard West up 9-0, and, and really that should pretty much be curtains for Millard South. You know, probably good enough to, you know, claw a couple runs back here and there, uh, but had two huge, huge innings. And I, I think, you know, it, it would have been a, an all-time moment, Cam Kojal stepping up to the plate, you know, down down by three and just blast a grand slam still to this day we, we don't know where that ball landed <laughs> some some are saying it hit the top of the scoreboard others that it cleared the scoreboard some are saying it, it went all the way to the Iowa border you know we'll, we'll never know where that home run landed but he just obliterated that home run and that moment you know 10-9 Millard South they have just completely stunned Millard West Wildcats have two innings left and now you're thinking well, I mean, did we just witness one of the craziest comebacks of all time? I mean, Millard South, they're uh, they're going crazy. The fans, you know, the dugout and everybody, they can sense the state championship, the back-to-back. They're really going to do this to their rivals again. But Millard West uh, still had a few tricks up their bag. Most certainly, yeah. 10-9, Millard uh, West answers in the bottom of the sixth. The tied up at 10. Millard South goes scoreless in top of the seventh. Luke, take us through what happened in that bottom of the seventh. <laughs> well, I, I hate to say this, but I, I think I was only half watching that first pitch of the inning. I mean, they, they're just finishing up these warm-up pitches. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of looking around, you know, taking in the atmosphere. Pitch comes through, crack of the bat, and you, you could just tell it was gone. I mean, it was a, a perfect rope out there to left field. Um, you know, a, immediately the entire dugout just pours out. I I think Millard West had fantastic energy throughout the state tournament, uh, and, and they were ready to let it loose. And really, I, you know, the, the thing that kind of defies belief here is it's it's A.J. Tauber with the walk-off home run, which already, I mean, walk-off to win the state championship, that is literally what you dream of i mean it does not get any better than that we're not talking a walk-off single we're talking a walk-off home run bottom of the seventh i mean (laughs) they're dogpiling they're giving the state championship trophy but he's the number nine hitter hadn't hit a home run his entire life really of of youth baseball legion baseball until the district round he hits two for the wildcats during districts (laughs) comes back at state so you know three home runs in in about two weeks thereafter going pretty much his whole career and I think Millard West coach Steve Fry he said I hadn't he said he hadn't really seen him hit any home runs during batting practice and just all of a sudden he's got this power and wow I mean that was a an all-time moment that that play went viral and guess what we went Nebraska State Baseball Tournament went viral in Class B as well uh, which we'll get to in a moment so yeah congrats to that Millard West team um Really, as I said, the pitching was what got him there. Jackson Cahoy, Sam Novotny, uh, Dylan Dreesen, Drew Dermer all put in fantastic performances. Mason Cook, the closer there during the state tournament. Uh, but but worth worth discussing, you know, even after all this craziness, is just how dominant these Millard schools have been. Played for the state title each of the last three years. Add in Westside and Creighton Prep to that mix. I, I put together a column about it, but... It's been since the 1990s uh, since we haven't had a Class A or since then the single class uh, state championship game that didn't include one of those four schools. So going to be interesting to see if anybody can break that mix. It's a uh, it's a hard hard line to break through. All those all four of those schools are so good they'll be back in the mix next year as well. So just something to keep an eye on with the level of dominance we've got there in Class A. Yeah, and it, and I don't see that changing. And I say that mostly because of two new schools opening up in Lincoln. Yeah, like, and I'm not saying that those two opening is a bad thing. It's just that that's just going to spread that like talent around, and that's going to further limit the high end teams that schools can build just because everything is just so spread out around the city. Uh, so I, I don't know. Look at I don't see that changing. I don't. I don't really either. I think. Lincoln East obviously had a, a great chance this year. I think they'll be in the mix next year as well. Um, you know, some opportunities for these teams in Lincoln. But what's more interesting for me is 
even for the Omaha area, I mean, the OPS schools, baseball isn't really king at any of those yeah. different um, schools. So OPS, it's been a long time. I think Northwest made it, you know, 20, 30 years ago or whatever it was. And you look at some of those other programs. I mean, Ralston and Elkhorn, they were both in the mix for a while, but they're down in B now. Yeah. I mean, Scott could probably contend in most years. Obviously, they're in B. So, I mean, really, the Omaha area, you, you're looking at maybe Gretna to make a run. Elkhorn South has been close the last couple yeah. years. Uh, Millard North doesn't really have the same level of pedigree those other two Millard schools have. So, really, I mean, unless Gretna and Elkhorn South, who have been close, Bellevue West also has been close. I mean, you can look at some other schools, Columbus and Kearney, they've been to the state tournament, but to make it all the way to those finals, the level of consistency those programs have, I mean, it, it just continues to build itself. Yeah, and the problem with, like, Columbus and Kearney, and I'll, since I'm from Kearney, I know that scene, and baseball is huge in Kearney, mm-hmm. but the problem is they're just kind of on the mercy of what kind of athletic class you're getting because you're not getting in transfers, you're not... It's just about how you can yeah. develop and who's coming through. And not – yeah, because some schools can get transferred, and that does make a difference. But they're just, it's not the same influx of talent as yeah. in Omaha. And obviously we, we talked about club soccer. Well, I mean, the different club baseball organizations. I mean, you talk about players that play travel baseball during the summer. Um, you know, yeah. the, the youth organizations in these different towns. I know the Miller Sox, I think, are is their name. They do a great job there. And there's a couple other, you know, big youth baseball organizations there in Omaha as well. So it really is kind of a thing where, just like in soccer, you're not just getting to high school and learning, you know, how to play the fundamentals and, you know, getting ready. They're already ready to compete. They're ready to play at a high level. And these high school programs know how to mold that. Uh, they know how to create winners there at, at the state tournament. So we will see if someone uh, breaks through and Indeed. Uh, upsets this trend. But regardless, one of the best state title games, if not the best state title game in state baseball history. Uh, but let's go down to Class B because, Luke, stuff happened there as well. Yeah. Number eight, uh, Waverly, a local area team, runs through the winner, winner's bracket. But unfortunately for them, um, they ran out of gas. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a crazy, crazy two weeks for Waverly. I think they, they got a pretty di- tough district draw uh, having to go on the road to Omaha Scott, who for me was the number one team uh, ranked in Class B, had played a tough Class A schedule, beaten a lot of those top Class B opponents. And so win a tough game against Scott just to get into the state tournament. And once they're there, they, they made the most of it. Uh, first game, an epic comeback there against number, number one seeded Norris, uh, beat Beatrice. And, you know, going all the way there to the winner's bracket. But really, your your pitching starts to get compressed. Uh, you know, they, they beat Elkhorn North that first time in that winner's bracket game. Uh, but, you know, you, you come back and, you know, you get less options out of the bullpen. You need those starters to go longer. And obviously, just, just one tough game with the bats is going to hurt you. And if there was anybody who really brought the pitching to the state tournament, it was Elkhorn North uh, who ended up going all the way. Um, and then you have Norris, tough state tournament for them. They're bounced in only two games. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, number eight seed, Beatrice won it all last year. Waverly, number eight, played for a, a state championship. Um, so I think at, at this point next year, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna throw those seeds out the window, hopefully, <laughs> and, and just say forget about it because it doesn't really matter in that Class B state baseball tournament. Uh, well, then you have Luke, you already briefly touched upon it, but Elkhorn North built up its confidence and maneuvered their way through the state tournament uh, with only basically two starting pitchers to win the state title. Year of the Wolves. Indeed. Yeah, so they they did have a third starting pitcher throw one of those elimination uh, games, but their stud, Brian Harahill, started three games. Colin Novacek started the other two, including the state championship game uh, that, that he did a great job in. And the reason that I say their pitching showed up um, I got a stat for you that I included um, in my state championship story. Elimination game against Central City. They they allowed a run in the first inning, six scoreless innings to win that one. And then they come back on Friday for that state championship day. First game against Scott, Harahill throws a shutout. Second game, Novacek, another shutout. I mean, that is 20 of 21 scoreless innings there to end the year. I mean, they, they, they could have scored two or three runs and they still would have been enough to get that done so that that level of pitching 
uh, was just incredible. That's that's definitely what got it done in their Class B title game. Not a lot of offense, but it was the the final out that went viral in that one, just as the final play went viral in in Class A. And this one went all the way to number one on the Sports Center top ten. You had Ryan Harrell over there at first base, going out for the the foul pop up. You know, ends up running into the railing. You know, somehow he catches the ball, and you know the the dog pile ensues. I mean, it was just uh, exactly the type of play that you would want to clinch a state title game on. So, two very epic, wild endings to both of those title games. And man, it was it was a great, great week of of state tournament baseball. Most certainly, Mode West walk off home run, bottom of the seventh to win the state title in A. Then Harrah Hill, number one play on Sports Center to get the state title for Elkhorn North. Fun sentences, those were. <laughs> uh, that wraps up the baseball season for Nebraska. But, Luke, before we do that, recap that and re- uh, wrap the show up, let's talk about what's different about that state tournament this year. Obviously, they moved uh, they moved out of Lincoln for state baseball. They moved everything in Omaha, so they split the, uh, everything between Werner Park um, and Tal Anderson Field at UNO um, in different format. Instead of a two out of three series for the state title, it was only one game. Uh, and I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I really liked Tal Anderson Field was the top top thing that stood out to me this year. You know, getting some games at Werner Park it's a great, great place to play, you know, for the fans. It has a lot of different amenities. You know, if we're talking about Tal Anderson, you know, there's only one concession stand. There's only one, you know, area for bathrooms. Warner Park, you know, has multiple of, of all those different things. But at the same time, I mean, it's still several thousand seats are empty there. I mean, the entire outfield is bare. And you look at Tal Anderson, and particularly for the Class A state championship, Every seat was full. Yeah. There's fans standing in the concourse. There's kids, you know, playing out there on the grassy hill. You know, the, the outfield is just, you know, you just have the outfield fence. There's no seating behind it, uh, you know, at that, that UNO facility. And the all-turf field, you know, the, the ability for teams to warm up. There's a softball field directly adjacent. There's just so many positives there, I think, for the teams um, and just for the overall state tournament experience that – Warner Park, while it is a good venue to play some of these different opening round or, you know, elimination contests, whatever it's available for with the Storm Chasers. Um, to me, Tal Anderson, it, you know, we already got to see two all-time state tournament moments there. And obviously, it's, it's not the field that uh, <laughs> yeah. that causes those. But to me, it has the feeling of a place where you can go for the state baseball tournament every year and it just feels special. It feels like, um, you know... A, a place where it's going to be loud. It's going to be a, a crazy game there under the lights. Um, great view of Omaha as well. And yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it's already locked in for the next couple of years to, to play those state championship games there, but I could easily see that continuing for a very long time. It's a great facility. Yeah. And that was football has this problem where Memorial is just absurdly too big. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I obviously Werner is too big. Haymarket, I think is just a little too big. Yeah, just a little. It's closer, but the problem is it's in Lincoln, and we just touched upon how dominant baseball um, in Omaha has been, and with it being jam packed uh, at Anderson, it seems like a perfect facility because one, it's big enough to accommodate for those giant crowds, um, and two, it's right in that Omaha area, so you're going to get big crowds regardless. So yeah, it seemed just from my point of view, not I did not attend, but it just seemed like a really good fit. No, logistically, it does make a lot of sense. Um, the state tournament crowd for Millard South, Millard West last year, which granted it, it was one of those, as you mentioned, with the state tournament format, they had to play two games to win there to get it. Um, so, you know, everybody came at four and stuck, stuck around to seven there at Haymarket. But, I mean, the crowd this year at Tally Anderson, I mean, it was, I don't know, doubled, you know, 75% more, you know, something very close to that. It was a significant increase, um, you know, in, in the number of fans in the seats. And the Class B final was very well attended the next day as well. You know, obviously Elkhorn North very close, Waverly, um, you know, a little bit further, you know, as opposed to if they were playing at Haymarket Park. Um, but it was very well attended for that as well. So, yeah, the, the logistics for having, you know, mostly Omaha area teams for Class A and, you know, a, a very central, you know, east eastern part of Omaha there as well. Uh, does make it very lucrative for those teams to travel, yeah. 
And I like the one game state title. And that that will be what we we get to. So it was was actually kind of fortunate this year that we had it locked into that 7 o'clock time slot because last year it wasn't the case. You know, you thought you were playing your first state title at 4 o'clock. You come back at 7. And I I know this confused fans a lot, too. You know, the bracket wasn't necessarily set. You know, it wasn't like you're going to play this team if if they lose. It's like what teams haven't played yet and try to find the right matchups and times and locations. And, yes, it was uh, confusing for fans. Uh, I tried to educate myself to the best (laughs) of my abilities. But I can confidently say that starting next year, uh, the state baseball format will be very much more simplified. Uh, the way it's going to work, very similar to College World Series, if any of you follow that up in Omaha every year. Uh, same thing that happens here before the state tournament. Uh, the teams will just be seeded 1-8 to eight based on the wild card points. Top half of the bracket, 1 seed, 8 seed, 4 seed, 5 seed. And then the other bracket will be the 2, 7, and 3, and the 6. And each of those different brackets, those four teams, they'll play the regular double elimination. Uh, so, yes, we will have some repeat matchups which will be different than in, in years prior, but it'll be very easy to, to figure out there with the bracket, um, just you know eliminating the teams on your half of it. And yes, they'll come together, the two different bracket champions for that one game winner-take-all championship. Which is good because I've attempted to try and understand the state baseball bracket before, and I've just given up because it's just <laughs> massively confusing to me so i'm glad they're changing that up because yeah like you said it confuses me and i'm not the only one that's confused by it. yeah for for fans in particular i mean I, i'm sure there were plenty of cases where they show up and they're like our team isn't playing like <laughs> yeah. i thought i thought we looked at the bracket but no it no it changed based on who won the other elimination game so yes it'll it'll be very static uh very easy to to read and understand moving forward well that's everything in the spring sports season. Luke, we are officially done wow. with every sport of the school year. Feels weird. It does. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't wasn't long ago we were here for preseason football and of course we got to volleyball and basketball and wrestling and then finally we got to the spring and we were like, "Wow, you know, we're we're finally to the spring. Yeah. You know, excited to to see all these sports, but obviously the spring is always kind of a a sprint to the end and as we said earlier in the in the episode, you get to May and there's so much going on. We had these these five state championships in probably 10 to 12 days as well. So we got to give a, a shout out to the NSA, the entire staff there. Uh, they do a great job putting on these events every year, and and we appreciate you know everything that they do to to make sure these events run smoothly. And yeah, this is uh, this is it. Hopefully, we'll. We'll have some more content for you guys here soon, but might be a little bit hard to to do the yeah. prep prep extra podcast when there's no prep sports going on. <laughs> well, give a quick shout to yourself, Luke, too, for you covering everything. You got our other writers, Clark Grell, uh, Brent Wagner, Nate Thomas, Cody Frederick, all the other writers and editors back at the office. Long sports season finally coming to an end, but you guys deserve a shout out for all the coverage uh, you guys have done over these uh, past months here this sports season. Yeah, appreciate it. Definitely, it's uh, it's it's been a change this year. Obviously, we tried to bring a lot more digital content. This podcast included. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you appreciate that, if there's anything else you you want to see, I mean, feel free to to email me lmolin at journalstar dot com. Here for all your concerns, your uh, constructive criticism about Prep Extra podcast about my takes, which unfortunately went over <laughs> to there at uh, at State Baseball. So, better luck to me next year and. And yeah, thank thank you to all of you for listening just along and and following along to the coverage all year. Yeah, we appreciate everyone's support, especially with this podcast. It was brand new in the fall, and we've been it's been fun that we've been able to bring it to you throughout this sports season. But we aren't done yet. Season finale will be next week because we have some postseason awards to give out super state teams for state soccer and baseball and they give out our own exclusive phenomenal uh prep extra podcast awards the most uh, glorious awards there is that you can give out here in uh, (laughs) uh, high school sports in nebraska so that will be our final episode of uh the high school sports season 
Yeah, we'll have to see what we can do to to bring out like some ESPYs type, you yeah. know, red carpet. <laughs> Let's get these these award speeches from all these different uh, uh, athletes and coaches. You know, maybe I can go to like Trophies Unlimited. We can get some uh, <laughs> exactly. ten dollar plastic trophies or something. You know, really, really do it the right way. <laughs> that's right, because that's what these awards deserve, right? Like, <laughs> well, watch out for that next week. And uh, Luke, I usually would end the show asking where can we find yeah. you, but I guess um, at the office of uh, working. Uh, at these wars, am I right? You find me on vacation soon enough. Yeah, yeah, all right. (laughs) Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Prep Extra Podcast brought to you by the Lincoln Journal Star. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Uh, Make sure to tune in next week for our season finale Prep Extra Podcast Awards plus diving deep into the Super State. From Luke Mullen, I have been your host, Jeff Ekstrom. Thank you so much for listening. Don't go away. Prep Extra Awards next week. We'll talk to you then.